You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. West guys. These guys know sports. West guys. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. And welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network on this Thursday, September the 22nd. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Another great show ahead. It's Thursday, one day before the weekend. So excited for the football that's going to take place in college this weekend and also in the NFL on Sunday. So we got a great show tonight. I'm going to talk about the Packers versus the Buccaneers. Big-time matchup, two legendary quarterbacks, and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady going to face off against one another in Tampa on Sunday afternoon. And also, it's a great matchup that's going to take place on Sunday as well. As we got, you know, the the 49ers going to play the Broncos on Sunday Night Football. That's a great matchup that everyone's looking forward to. And then here in the city, the Bengals started off the season 0-2. So a lot of Bengal fans are, are panicking and they are afraid that they could start the season off 0-3 with a big-time matchup next week on Thursday Night Football against the Miami Dolphins, who've been looking great so far this season. So... It's a big-time matchup for the Bengals on Sunday against the Jets. Before the season, I would have said that the Bengals are going to for sure win that game. But now, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm going to do my NFL Week 3 wise picks tonight on the show. And I don't know if the Bengals are a lock. I really, really don't know. I've been having a lot of people who bet on games. They have been disappointed the last two weeks in the Cincinnati Bengals because the Bengals – have pretty much blew up a whole bunch of tickets on the betting side. I mean, week one, they were favored against the Steelers, didn't cover, and lost that game. Week two, they lost that matchup against the Dallas Cowboys without Dak Prescott, didn't cover in that game. So the Cincinnati Bengals so far this season, they have been a major disappointment. And so they got to win this game against the Jets on on Sunday afternoon. They got to win this game. It's a must win for the Cincinnati Bengals, but – you know, some, some games I'm going to get to. I'm going to talk about the Bengals and Cowboys game a little bit later on the show. I'm also going to talk about the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Their dominant win over the Minnesota Vikings on Monday as well. And then, again, I'm going to talk about my NFL Week 3 wise picks. But we got to begin today in the NBA as Boston Celtics head coach, Ime Udoka, is – under some scrutiny right now. He is likely going to be suspended for the entire 2022-2023 season due to his consensual relationship with a female staff member, sources told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Udoka's job reportedly isn't believed to be in jeopardy. Boston will likely name current assistant coach Joe Muzula as Udoka's replacement, Wojnarowski also said. 
And so the Celtics, they hired Udoka as head coach in June 2021, following Brad Stevens, his move to the front office. And so the first thing I want to say when it comes to this situation right now with the Boston Celtics and Ime Udoka is, I got to get this out the way. I feel very, very uncomfortable talking about this topic because I don't get into people's personal business and personal life. And I think this is something that is borderline personal that's going on right now with Ime Udoka in the Boston Celtics. And I think that this is a situation that honestly should have been handled in-house. I think the Boston Celtics made a mistake if they're going to keep Ime Udoka because this is something that you handle in-house and the Boston Celtics organization should have dealt with this situation involving Udoka with themselves and him alone. I don't think it's really any of our business what's going on with Ime Udoka and his personal life. That's the first thing I want to say. I, I feel very uncomfortable talking about this because I think this is a personal situation and it's involving someone's personal life. I like to talk about sports and stick to sports. I'm going to talk about a player's play on the field. And if they get into legal trouble off the field, I'll talk about that as well. But personal life with family and, you know, I got there's people all on social media all day long talking about how could you cheat on me alone. We don't know the circumstances involving their situation and their relationship. I see people talking about, oh, my God, how could you cheat on me alone? And she's so gorgeous. She's beautiful and so forth. Listen, we don't know the circumstances of their relationship. I'm not going to speculate on what's going on in their relationship. I do know that they have been, you know, off and on since 2010, but that's their personal relationship. That's their business. That's not for us to comment on and say that you may Udoka is this cheater and so forth. I'm not going to get into all that. What I will say is I do hope and pray that Ime Udoka can overcome this situation that he put himself in because in his first season as head coach of the Boston Celtics, Udoka had the Boston Celtics going into the playoffs with a record of 51 and 31. They went to the NBA finals. They lost to the Golden State Warriors in six games, but we saw the progress of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown right before our eyes this season. They started off the season rough. I think they were like 500 in the first quarter of the season, and they and they won, They went like 27 and 9. They went on a run midway through the season, and you saw how Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum had elevated their games because of Ime Udoka. They had took their games to a different level with him as their head coach that they didn't have with Brad Stevens as their head coach. Now, I know Brad Stevens can coach. We know Brad Stevens can coach dating back to his days when he was at Butler. But for whatever reason, it seemed as if Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they had a better connection with Ime Udoka than they did with Brad Stevens. So it was it's unfortunate that Ime Udoka finds himself in this situation given the fact that in his first season, not only did he elevate 
the game of his two young stars, he led this team to an NBA Finals appearance. And he's one of the best black coaches that we have in the NBA. And yes, I'm going to say black. I love Ty Lue. Ty Lue, I think he's the best. But I think Ime Udoka, last year, in his first year as head coach of the Boston Celtics, he proved that he deserved this job and he's going to be one of the best coaches that we have in the NBA. He was sensational last year as a head coach. Now, with that being said, Ime Udoka made a mistake, significant mistake, because you can't put yourself in this position knowing who you are and what you represent to an organization. You are the head coach of the Boston Celtics, one of the most storied NBA franchises in NBA history. When you talk about best franchises in the NBA, it's the Lakers and the Celtics, and then everyone else. You are the head coach of the Boston Celtics, and you decide to have a consensual relationship with someone in the organization you got to be smarter than that if you are Ime Udoka. You got to be smarter. You got to make better decisions than that because you have to realize your stature and your position within the Boston Celtics organization. You are the head coach. You're not an assistant coach. You're not someone that's on a training staff. You're not an agent. You're not a relative of a player, you are the head coach of the Boston Celtics, one of the most storied franchises in NBA history. I believe Ime Udoka made a mistake putting himself in this position. Again, I'm not going to get into his personal life on whether or not he's a cheater and whether or not this is wrong from a moral perspective because we don't know what's going on with him and his long-term partner, Nia Long. We're not going to get into that. But I'm just saying, as a head coach, you have to know who you are and what you mean to your particular organization. And you got to make better decisions. This is a bad position that Ime Udoka has himself in, and he has to look at himself in the mirror and learn from this situation that he's currently going through. He has to make better decisions. Like, it's not always about the actual, it's not always about the decision. It's about knowing who you are and what can come from a fallout if a situation goes left. We don't know the details of the situation, so I'm going to be patient and wait on more facts to come out about this situation before I pass judgment. Now, earlier on Facebook, I did go out and say that I think it's ridiculous that the Boston Celtics are suspending Ime Udoka for an entire season because Ime Udoka did not commit a crime. He did basically violate the conduct policy by having a consensual relationship within the organization, but he did not commit a crime. To me, it doesn't warrant a year-long suspension. Now, if you're the Boston Celtics and you want to suspend Ime Udoka for 
one third of the season, let's say 30 games. I'm okay with that. Even if you want to suspend him for half the season, I would say that's a bit excessive, but I would be okay with that. But to suspend him for an entire season, I think it's a bit excessive given the facts that we currently have right now, 7.37 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, again, once more facts come out, more why the Boston Celtics decided to suspend Ime Udoka for an entire season. So there's stuff that they know that I don't currently know. What the facts that have been given to us, I don't believe it warrants a year-long suspension. But this is why if you are Ime Udoka, you have to understand that your decisions impact others. Because if he is suspended, for the entire 2022-2023 season. That's going to impact Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and their pursuit on trying to win an NBA championship number 18 for the Boston Celtics. You got to understand how your decisions impact others. It impacts others when you are in a position of power like a head coach position for the Boston Celtics. So, again, I think the year-long suspension is excessive, but I don't have all the facts yet. So there has to be more to this story before I can believe that a year-long suspension is the right punishment for Ime Udoka. On the flip side, let me be very, very clear on the reality of professional sports and explain that this situation right now with Ime Udoka and the Boston Celtics is more common than fans probably believe. Most fans are surprised that this type of situation happened. Honestly, I wasn't surprised. I was disappointed in it being Ime Udoka, but this stuff happens all across sports. People in the workplace, in professional sports, in the NFL, in the NBA, in Major League Baseball, in hockey, people in these organizations, they mess around with one another. It's more common than fans probably believe. It's common, and we know it's damn sure common in the in, in a in a regular workplace, not a professional sports team, but just in a regular working environment, we know that people who work together they mess around each and every day. It, it, this is this is common. So it's common also in professional sports. I want to get that out there because I, I see people going crazy with this over Ime Udoka, and this is common. This is something that happens often but it's not something that's publicized the way that this situation involving Ime Udoka is so that's where my issue is my issue is how the Boston Celtics have publicized and put Ime Udoka in a position where all his business is now for the public to know it's all for the public to know when these type of situations go on all the time. Again, I, I don't like how his business is being put out there, but 
that doesn't take away from the fact that Ime Udoka has to make better decisions and understand the impact of his decisions. You ain't the trainer. You ain't a relative of a player that's on the team. You're not an agent. You are the head coach of the Boston Celtics. You got to know and understand your stature within the organization. You got to know this. You got to know this if you are Ime Udoka. So, again, I'm disappointed because Ime Udoka has such a great first season as head coach of the Boston Celtics. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they emerged as a top five duo in the NBA. They made their first NBA Finals appearance since 2010. And they were on the verge of winning championship number 18 until Steph Curry happened. But they had a great season to build off of from last year heading into this season. And they were probably going to be a top three seed in the Eastern Conference. Now, without Ime Udoka, I don't believe the Boston Celtics are true championship contenders. That's how great of a coach I believe he is. And I think the Boston Celtics this season, they will suffer when it comes to wins and losses and their championship aspirations because they don't have their head coach. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Let me show you follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Now, I want to give a little bit of background information on Joe Musula, the assistant coach who's going to take over for Ime Udoka for the season. He's been the Celtics assistant coach the last three seasons. Since June 2019, he was the head coach for Fairmont State from 2017 to 2019. His record at Fairmont State was 43 and 17. He also played for West Virginia from for, from, two, for, from 2006 to 2011, played in 145 games. So he, he played for West Virginia. He would be the youngest head coach in the NBA. He's only 34 years old. This is Joe Mazzula. So I just want to give a little bit of background information on him. But again, I want to see more facts come out about this situation before I, you know, pass judgment. And, 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 and again, I think this is a personal situation. I think this is Ime Udoka's personal business right now that's being that's being put in the press and everyone's talking about. And I don't think it's honestly right. I really, really don't. But he does have to make better decisions and not have himself in this these types of situations. He has to be has be, have better judgment. Really do. Call him to the show. 513 203 8655-513-203-8655. Do you believe that Ime Udoka deserves to be suspended for an entire season? And do you believe that this is do you believe this is a matter that the public should know about? Or should the Boston Celtics, should they have kept this in-house? Call to the show. Give me your thoughts. Also, another question of the day. Can Aaron Rodgers' legacy move at all with the win over the Bucks this weekend? That was on Twitter that I posted yesterday. Let's check out the live results from that poll question. Can Aaron Rodgers' legacy at all move with the win over the Bucks this weekend? And 
It's even right now. Now, I did ask on, on Twitter as well about the Ime Udoka situation. Question was, did Ime Udoka deserve to be suspended for a year? And it's 100% no. 100% no. No one voted yes. They said he didn't deserve to be suspended for a year. I agree. I think that suspension is excessive. When I heard a year, I said, what? He didn't commit a crime a whole year? Now, again, 30 games, okay. 45 games, okay. That's excessive, but I can deal with that. But a whole season? A little bit excessive. Now, let's transition to the NFL and talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and their dominant performance over the Minnesota Vikings on Monday. So, the Eagles beat the Vikings 24-7. to They improved to 2-0. and on the season for the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins went 27 of 46. He had 221 passing yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. So typical Kirk Cousins in prime time. Jalen Hurts, he went 26 of 32. He had 333 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. He had 57 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. So I want to start off tonight in my NFL segment talking about Jalen Hurts. Everyone's been talking about, you know, since Carson Wentz departed from Philly, whether or not Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback that Howie Roseman and the Philadelphia Eagles can build around. And I believe that that is an emphatic yes. Even before Monday night, I already was sold on Jalen Hurts being a franchise quarterback. But on Monday, he was sensational. I watched that game from start to finish, and Jalen Hurts was the best player on the field Monday night. He was the best player on the field Monday night. Besides the interception, he didn't do anything wrong in this game and did a lot of great for Nick Sirianni, and the Philadelphia Eagles, 26 of 32, 333 passing yards. And it seemed like the Minnesota Vikings defensively, they had no answers for Jalen Hurts. They had no answers for Jalen Hurts. And he played great in this game. Now, here's the thing. Overall, when you look at Jalen Hurts' career, last year, Jalen Hurts, he led the Philadelphia Eagles to the playoffs. And I said last year, that the Philadelphia Eagles were not a playoff team. And they snuck into the playoffs and they lost in on wild card weekend to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But no one expected the Philadelphia Eagles to even make the playoffs last year. No one expected them to make the playoffs. I didn't. And they made the playoffs last year. Last year, Jalen Hurts, he had 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions. He had 3,144 passing yards. But here's where he's dangerous and what made him great last year. Last year, Jalen Hurts had 784 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns. He had 139 carries, averaging 5.6 yards per attempt. So that was Jalen Hurts last year in his sophomore season and his first full season starting. That was last year. And I thought last year he showed flashes that he could be a franchise quarterback. And so I was of the belief last year 
Like, I mean, I think the Eagles, they got a legit franchise quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Everybody had questions about Jalen Hurts when he came into the NFL because that championship game, Alabama, I think they were going up against Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma. And in that game, Jalen Hurts got benched for Tua. And everybody had questions about Jalen Hurts and whether or not he could be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. Out of all the quarterbacks recently that have came out of Alabama, Mac Jones, Tua, Jalen Hurts, I think Jalen Hurts is going to have the best career between those three quarterbacks from Alabama. I believe it's going to be Jalen Hurts. I think he's going to have a better career than Mac Jones, and I think he's going to have a better career than Tua. Now, I know Tua had a great performance in week two against the Ravens through six touchdowns in a come-from-behind victory in the fourth quarter against the Ravens. But I think Jalen Hurts is going to be the better quarterback between the three, and I think he's going to have the better career than both Mac Jones and Tua. And I've been impressed with Jalen Hurts. I really believe that the Eagles have a franchise quarterback that they can build around. I love the moves that they made in the offseason. They traded for A.J. Brown. You pair up A.J. Brown with Smith on the other side. Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown is a dynamic duo at the receiver position. You still got Miles Sanders in the backfield. I like Nick Sirianni as a head coach. I can't believe I'm saying it. I had my questions about Nick Sirianni when they fired Doug Peterson. I didn't believe Doug Peterson deserved to be fired. So I didn't know if the Philadelphia Eagles were making the right decision bringing in Nick Sirianni. I like Sirianni. He's impressed me so far in his young head coaching career. Defensively, I thought they did a great job against the elite skill position players that the Minnesota Vikings have. You got Justin Jefferson. They got Adam Thielen. They got Dalvin Cook as well. And I thought defensively, the Philadelphia Eagles did a great job at containing those weapons for the Minnesota Vikings. They, The Eagles defense, they held the Vikings to 264 total yards of offense. This is fresh after the Vikings manhandled the Packers in week one. And they dominated that Packers defense. The Eagles defense, they did a great job against the Vikings offense. The Vikings, they went 4 of 12 on third down. They only had 62 rushing yards. So Dalvin Cook was a non-factor in this game. So I was very, very impressed with the Philadelphia Eagles defense. I was impressed with their offense led by Jalen Hurts. And I believe that the Philadelphia Eagles are a legit contender right now in the NFC. And I think they're going to be contenders the entire season. I picked them to win the NFC East. And after watching these first two games, I think they're going to run away with the NFC East, especially considering Dak Prescott's out right now. I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to run away with the NFC East. And I think they're, they are the clear best team in that division right now. When I look at the Minnesota Vikings, everyone's talking about, well, after this disappointing performance, are they contenders or are they pretenders in the NFC? I hate the Minnesota Vikings. I am a true Packers fan, but I have to be honest on my show and tell the truth. 
I believe that the Minnesota Vikings are contenders in the NFC. I said before the season that they are a playoff team. I think the Packers and the Vikings both will make the playoffs because when you got elite skill position players, the way the Minnesota Vikings have, if you get good, not even great, if you get good quality quarterback play, it can help your team win football games. But we got the bad Kirk Cousins in this game. He uh, he was awful. 27 to 46, 221 passing yards. It seemed like wherever Kirk Cousins threw the football, Darius Slay, they call him Big Play Slay, Big Play Slay, he was all around the football field, everywhere. He was, I mean, it's like he knew the exact play the Vikings were running. It's almost as if he was he was in the, he was in their huddle. I said that about T.J. Watt in Week One when the Steelers played the Bengals. That's how great T.J. Watt was. That's that's how great Darius Slay was in this game. He was everywhere. Slay had two interceptions. You saw one of those interceptions that he had. He went. He gave the football to James Harden, who was sitting in the front row. It was nice to see that. James Harden is now a part of that Philadelphia sports family, Philadelphia Eagles, Philadelphia 76ers. So that was nice to see. But, again, I thought that defensively, the Eagles, they got after Kirk Cousins for the game. They only had two sacks, but he I mean, he was under duress all night long, under duress all night long. And so you look at their, some of their players defensively. You got Slay at DB. You got Avante Maddox up front. You still got Fletcher Cox. They still got Brandon Graham as well who can rush the passer. So I like this Eagles defense. But when I get getting back to the Minnesota Vikings, I do believe the Vikings are contenders in the NFC. You got Justin Jefferson. You got Adam Thielen, two of the best receivers that we have in the NFL. I think Adam Thielen is the best second receiver that you could have on your team. And then you got Davin Cook in the backfield, who I think is a dynamic running back. They just need Kirk Cousins to not lose the game for them. For whatever reason, in primetime, Kirk Cousins comes up small every time. In primetime action, Kirk Cousins comes up small under the bright lights. When the, when the lights are at its brightest, that's when Kirk Cousins shrinks. So they need Kirk Cousins to step up and play better in primetime for them to be Super Bowl contenders. But I do think they're contenders in the NFC. They are. Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach, I think he has a better relationship with Kirk Cousins than Mike Zimmer did. I think Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins, they didn't have the best relationship. And I think Mike Zimmer had soured on Kirk Cousins. So they were impressive in week one. They had a disappointing week two. Vikings got the Lions. So they should have a bounce back performance in week three with the home game coming up against the Detroit Lions. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Go follow Wise Guys on Instagram with these guys know sports. Call out to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. Let's transition to a big-time matchup in the NFC on Sunday afternoon in Tampa. Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. It's a 425 Eastern Standard Time start. It's already been reported that Julio and Chris Godwin are more than likely going to be out in this game for Tampa. They are both currently dealing with injuries. Mike Evans, he 
is suspended one game for his actions against the New Orleans Saints when he got into an altercation with Marshawn Lattimore. And also for the Packers today, I already read that earlier today, there were a lot of receivers that missed practice for the Packers. It's going to be interesting to see who has the better receiving core on Sunday when Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady face off against each other. Tom Brady, he's 3-1 against Aaron Rodgers. He's won the last three meetings. When I look at this game, I believe that this is a statement game for the Green Bay Packers. This was one of the games that, as a Packers fan, I circled when the schedule came out. This was one of the games that I circled because if the Packers want to be true Super Bowl contenders in the NFC with the LA Rams, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have to be able to compete in these type of games. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're our team that in order for the Packers to reach the Super Bowl, they're going to have to go through the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this was one of the games that I circled when the schedule came out. Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. I said, I'm looking forward to this matchup. I really am. Because we'll we'll get an understanding for how good the Packers really are. Because obviously in week one, the Packers, they got beat down by the Minnesota Vikings. And I was disappointed as a Packers fan, obviously, because the Vikings, they completely dominated the Packers in week one. They won 23-7, but the game wasn't even that close. It wasn't even that close. So the Packers had a terrible week one, same way they did last season. Got beat 38-3 to the Northern Saints in week one. So they had a bounce-back performance in week two last season against the Detroit Lions. They beat the Lions 35-17. to That game was on Monday Night Football. Same thing happened this week. They beat the Chicago Bears. I was there at Lambeau. Packers beat the decisive win for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. But how good are the Packers? Beating the Chicago Bears is not going to give us any indication that the Packers are ready to compete against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the LA Rams in the NFC. That's not going to that's not going to prove anything. The Bears are a team that's not a playoff contender. Justin Fields is not an elite quarterback. He still has a ways to go before he can be an elite quarterback. He he has he struggled in that game against the Packers. Now, their head coach Matt Eberflus, he took the ball out of Justin Fields' hand. Justin Fields only had 11 pass attempts for crying out loud, and you're not going to beat Aaron Rodgers fresh off a loss at Lambeau. Only throwing the ball 11 times. It's just not going to happen. So I can't say that that win for the Packers is a game that's going to give me confidence heading into this matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I think this game is important for the Packers to be able to prove that they can compete with the elite teams in the NFC. And this is the first primetime matchup that the Packers have against an elite team without Devontae Adams. So that's what's going to be important for me, seeing how the Packers offensively, how they play without having their star receiver in Devontae Adams. Now, last week against the Chicago Bears, the Packers receivers, they had 179 receiving yards in the game. Here's the statistics from that game. 
Alan Lazard, he made his first appearance this season. He was injured in week one. Alan Lazard had two receptions, 13 receiving yards, one touchdown. Romeo Dobbs, two receptions, 27 receiving yards. Randall Cobb had three receptions, 37 receiving yards. Sammy Watkins, he had an impressive three receptions, 93 receiving yards. So they distributed the football around effectively. So I want to see in this matchup for the Packers offense, going up against an elite defense now, this this Bucks defense is elite. They forced three interceptions by Jameis Winston in a matchup against the New Orleans Saints last week. Three interceptions for Jameis. Now, we know Jameis is prone to throw interceptions. This was just week two for the Buccaneers defense. Six sacks, three interceptions. They had a pick six and two fumble recoveries in the matchup against the New Orleans Saints. So, Todd Bowles, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, also the defensive coordinator for the team, he is thrilled with the way this defense is playing right now. He's thrilled. I mean, they are playing some great football defensively right now. And you look at their defense, the players that they have are great. You got at linebacker, you got one of the best young linebackers that we have in the NFL, Devin White. You got Levante David. Up front, you got Vita Vea. And we know Vita Vea, he could move a car if you put it in front of him. And he, and, he, and, he, and, he has, and he has enough strength that particular day. They still got Akeem Hicks. You got William Golston up front. In the secondary, you got Jamel Dean. You got Antoine Whitfield, Shaquel Barrett. This defense is elite. And two years ago in the NFC Championship game, at Lambeau, that Buccaneers defense, they sacked Aaron Rodgers five times. Now, in that game, Aaron Rodgers didn't have David Batiari the best tackle in the NFL, Batiari practiced today. So it's a possibility that maybe Batiari can make his season debut Sunday afternoon in Tampa. Packers did get back Elton Jenkins last week against the Bears. So it's going to be important for Aaron Rodgers to be protected in this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers front seven. If the Buccaneers apply pressure on Aaron Rodgers, and they can force Aaron Rodgers to be uncomfortable, it won't matter that on their offense, they don't have any reliable receivers for Tom Brady to throw the ball to. It won't matter because defensively, the Buccaneers could shut out the Packers, and that will be enough for the Buccaneers to win Sunday afternoon. The Bears, they got they had three sacks against the Packers in week two, and in week one, the Packers offense, they gave up four sacks to the Minnesota Vikings. So Aaron Rodgers has been sacked so far seven times this season. So that Packers offensive line, Josh Myers, John Runyon, L. Jenkins, David Bakhtiari, if he does play in this game, they got to protect A-Rod. They got to protect Aaron Rodgers so Aaron Rodgers can have time to deliver the football down the field. I'm calling out the entire Packers offensive line. Center Josh Myers, left guard John Runyon, David Batiari, Royce Newman, Elton Jenkins. You got to protect Aaron Rodgers. You got to protect Aaron Rodgers if you want to have a chance to win this game. Again, defensively, the Bucs have one of the best 
defenses in the NFL. Which receiver is going to step up for the Packers? Aaron Jones, he was sensational in the week two win for the Packers over the Bears. Aaron Jones had 18 touches, 170 total yards, two touchdowns. I saw it up close and personal at Lambeau. Great thing to see as a Packers fan. And Aaron Jones was great. But also, A.J. Dillon had a great game as well for the Packers. A.J. Dillon had 18 carries, 61 rushing yards. But he also was effective helping Aaron Rodgers in the passing game because he's a legit pass catcher out of the backfield. So I liked, I liked the way A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, how they were a part of Matt LaFleur's game plan offensively against the Bears. I think you have to make sure you can get Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon the football because they are your playmakers on this offense right now. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, they are the only reliable players in this offense that Aaron Rodgers trusts. They're the only ones. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Also follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. Talking about the Packers-Buccaneers matchup Sunday afternoon, Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. I think Alan Lazard, once he gets healthy, I think he can help Aaron Rodgers in his Packers offense, but he's he's been nursing an ankle injury. He got stepped on prior to week one, so he, he, he's not all the way 100%. But this Packers offense, they got to put up some points against the Bucs. They got to put some points up. If, if the Packers offense can can score, I'll say, 21, 24 points, I'm not so sure Tom Brady can keep pace with Aaron Rodgers without Mike Evans, without Leo Jones, without Chris Godwin. So I think defensively the Packers will be fine. Leonard Fortnite, I think he's going to be a part of the Buccaneers game plan significantly. But – I don't see the Buccaneers scoring 31 or, you know, 28 points in this game. I think in order for the Bucs to win this game, they got to keep it low scoring. Win the game 10-3, 13-7. I think that is a recipe for success for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win this game. If the Packers score 21 points, I don't think the Buccaneers will score enough to keep pace with the Packers without their elite receivers. It's going to be a great game. Everyone's talking about also like in a win for in this game. Will it help Aaron Rodgers' legacy? Let me be the first to let everyone know that a win in a regular season is not going to help Aaron Rodgers' legacy. The only thing that's going to help Aaron Rodgers' legacy is Aaron Rodgers getting back to the Super Bowl and possibly winning his second Super Bowl in his career. That's the only thing. That's going to help Aaron Rodgers' legacy. It's two things. Getting back to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. Winning a regular season game in September is not going to help Aaron Rodgers' legacy. We're not going to look at Aaron Rodgers 10, 15 years from now and say, oh, do you remember that week three game? Packers at Buccaneers. Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. Packers beat the Buccaneers. Aaron Rodgers is great. He was sensational in that game. We're not going to look back on this game 10 or 15 years from now and say that. The only way Aaron Rodgers can improve his legacy is if he, A, gets back to the Super Bowl, and B, wins another Super Bowl. 
Those are the only two ways that Aaron Rodgers, at this point in his career, can help his legacy. Now, when it comes to who's going to win this game, I think the Green Bay Packers are going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa, and I think the Packers will score 24 points. I got Packers 24-14. I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be able to score more than more than two touchdowns. I go Packers 24, Bucks 14. That's my score. So I think Aaron Rodgers will will beat Tom Brady, and Tom Brady will fall to three and two against Aaron Rodgers. But again, this is not no legacy game for Aaron Rodgers. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise, Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Call to the show. Let me know which game are you most excited about this weekend. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers in Tampa. Also, we got the Titans and the Raiders, two teams that are currently 0-2 on the season. Whichever team loses that game is probably not going to make the playoffs. Also, you got Bills at Dolphins, a big-time AFC East matchup. I picked the Bills to win the AFC East coming into the season, but the way the Miami Dolphins, the way they're looking right now, they are legit contenders in the AFC East and in the AFC overall. Let's transition to the matchup in Dallas that took place Sunday. The Dallas Cowboys beat the Cincinnati Bengals 20-17. The Bengals are the first team in the Super Bowl era to start the season 0-2 when favored by at least seven points in their first two games. In the game, Joe Burrow went 24-36, 199 passing yards, one touchdown. For the Cowboys, Cooper Rush, he went 19 of 31. He had 235 passing yards. CeeDee Lamb had seven receptions, 75 receiving yards. So I watched this game at Lambeau prior to the Bears-Packers game. And so I, I, I had an obvious observation watching this game. Watching this game told me that the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is worse than this season than it was last season. And in the offseason, when the Bengals signed Lyle Collins, Lyle Collins had a quote that he told Burrow. This is Lyle Collins after signing with the Bengals. Lyle Collins said, your new bodyguard is in town. Nobody's touching you. That was Lyle Collins and what he said to Joe Burrow. And Lyle Collins should be arrested for theft. Because the money that he got from the Bengals this season is highway robbery, the way he's played so far this season. Not only him, Ted Karras, the center for the Bengals, Alex Kappa, the right guard for the Bengals, the entire Cincinnati Bengals offensive line, they should be ashamed to show their faces in the city of Cincinnati this week. They should be ashamed. I'm going to call out everybody out. Center Ted Karras, right guard Alex Kappa, Right tackle, Lyle Collins. Left guard, Cordell Volson, who wasn't on the team last year. And left tackle, Jonah Williams. They gave up six sacks to the Dallas Cowboys Sunday in Dallas. Six sacks? This is fresh off a season where Joe Burrow was sacked a league high 51 times last year. He got sacked 51 times last year. And... This is Joe Burrow in the first two games of the season. His completion percentage is 64%. He got 537 passing yards, three touchdowns, four interceptions. 
He's been sacked 13 times. His total QBR is 45 right now. And so those 13 times being sacked for Joe Burrow, it's tied for the most over a two-game period by any quarterback in 20 seasons. And also, for Joe Burrow and the Bengals, they didn't reach the red zone versus Dallas until the first four, the fourth quarter. So they were awful. I mean, for most of the game, the Cincinnati Bengals offense that got Jamar Chase, an elite receiver in the NFL. They got T. Higgins, one of the best young receivers that we have in the NFL. You got Tyler Boyd, a great slot receiver. And they got Joe Mixon, a dynamic running back. They didn't reach the red zone until the fourth quarter against the Dallas Cowboys. And defensively for Dallas, the only players that I respect are Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, and Demarcus Lawrence. That's it defensively for the Dallas Cowboys. They got Dante Fowler as well. I like him too. But this Dallas Cowboys defense is not elite. And offensively, the Bengals couldn't even get into the red zone until late in the fourth quarter. Bengals only scored one touchdown in this game. One touchdown, and they got elite skill position players, and they only scored one touchdown in this game. This is awful. By the Cincinnati Bengals, this was a bad loss. That offensive line, they have been awful in these first two games. Giving up 13 sacks to Joe Burrow. 13 sacks? It's so bad right now for Joe Burrow. There are times when there isn't even pressure on Joe Burrow. But because he's so traumatized from getting sacked so much, he's running for his life, and he can't even deliver the football down the field accurately because he's afraid he's going to get hit. It is a shame what's going on right now with the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. The first two weeks of the season, they have been god-awful. And they should be all arrested for theft. All of them. Ted Karras, Alice Kappa, Lyle Collins, they should be arrested for theft. Because they came in this season, they were supposed to protect Joe Burrow from getting sacked. Because we knew last year that was the biggest issue on the Bengals team. You look at the Bengals last year, the Bengals defense was average. They weren't elite, but they was average, and they were good enough for the Bengals to be a Super Bowl team. Offensively, they had no weaknesses. Besides the offensive line, they had no weaknesses. You got Joe Burrow, one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. You got Joe Mixon. You got Jamar Chase. You got T. Higgins. You got Tyler Boyd. Last year, they had C.J. Uzama. This year, they got Hayden Hurst, who's a nice tight end as well. There are no excuses for the Cincinnati Bengals to be sitting here today at 0-2 on the season. None. I can admit when I see a team that is as talented as the Bengals are, I can admit when they are underachieving. And the Bengals have, from top to bottom, especially offensively, one of the best rosters in the NFL as we head into week three, 0-2. And, and I'm going to put this out there right now. I'm going to go ahead and say it. If the Cincinnati Bengals lose Sunday to the New York Jets and they fall to 0-3, the season is over. Yes, Bengal fans, the season will be over for your Cincinnati Bengals if they fall to 0-3 Sunday afternoon. Because week four, Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins roll into town. Thursday night football here 
at Paycar Stadium. So the Bengals could easily be 0-4 if they lose Sunday to the Jets. They could easily be 0-4 in the first quarter of the season. And if you 0-4 in the AFC, the chances of you making the postseason are slim. Very, very slim. The AFC is so competitive with so many teams. It's teams right now that I still believe are good football teams. They're 0-2. Las Vegas Raiders. I think the Raiders are a good football team. They're 0-2 on the season. 0-2 on the season. The Broncos, they're 1-1 on the season, but they didn't look good last week against the Houston Texans. Only scored 16 points. So, again, you follow the 0-3 with the Miami Dolphins coming into town next week, primetime matchup, Thursday night football. Bengals will be in trouble, and they will not make the playoffs. So, this Sunday against the Jets is a must-win for the Bengals. They lost to the Jets last year. I don't expect it to happen again. I expect the Bengals to bounce back in week three and handle their business against the New York Jets. I'm rolling with the Bengals to beat the New York Jets 28-14. Bengals should win by two touchdowns on Sunday. They should win by two touchdowns. I'm going to see the over-under in this game. Bengals are favored by six points. The over-under in this game is 45 points. So, must win for the Bengals. Also, before I go to my next topic, I got to call out head coach Zach Taylor. And the reason why I got to call out head coach Zach Taylor is because, Zach, if you see that your offensive line is struggling to protect Joe Burrow, be smart and not have Joe Burrow dropping back to pass and having five-yard dropbacks. Instead, have max protection. Bring in some of your tight ends in the formation and your running backs to help chip some of these defenders who are trying to sack Burrow. Clearly, your five offensive linemen are struggling. They gave up 13 sacks to start the season. So if you are the head coach, you have to put Joe Burrow in a position to not take as many sacks as he has taken the first two weeks of the season. So that means let's not go empty. Let's bring in a running back like Joe Mixon, like P. Ryan, and bring in a tight end like Hayden Hurst, like Mitchell Wilcox, and have them help protect Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow won't make it through the season if he continues to get sacked the way he's gotten sacked the first two games. And another thing, too, I'm going to go a step farther. We saw a few years ago, literally out of nowhere, we saw Andrew Luck announce his retirement. I was stunned when Andrew Luck decided to retire because I said that Andrew Luck was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I really, really felt like Andrew Luck was a franchise quarterback, and I believe that he was an elite quarterback. Like today, the same way we view Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, the same way we view those young quarterbacks, Andrew Luck would have also been in that same conversation. And out of nowhere, Andrew Luck decided to retire. Why? He decided to retire because Jim Irsay and that coach organization did not protect their investment 
and Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck took way too many hits, and he decided, I'd rather go home and watch football as a fan than, than to play for the Indianapolis Colts and get sacked multiple times per game. Football is a physical sport, and these quarterbacks, when they take so many hits, the way that Joe Burrows is, is, is Joe, Joe Burrow's taking right now, when they take so many hits, they think about retiring early and prematurely. And that's exactly what could happen with Joe Burrow if the Bengals do not protect him. I know Joe Burrow loves football. I'm not saying he's going to retire prematurely. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But I think if the Bengals organization does not put the right protection in front of Joe Burrow, and they don't trade Joe Burrow, it's something that Joe Burrow could possibly consider as years go along in his career. And don't say I'm crazy for saying this because we didn't see Andrew Luck retiring early the way that he did. And he retired out of nowhere. The same could happen for Joe Burrow if the Cincinnati Bengals don't figure out a way to protect their investment. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. We should follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. So I got Bengals 28, Jets 14. Let's transition to my NFL Week 3 Wise Picks. Starting off with tonight's game. It's an AFC North battle tonight in Cleveland. The game has already started. It's 9.48 left in the first quarter. The Browns have the ball, 31. They're on the 32-yard line. So I'm going to roll with the Browns to beat the Steelers tonight in Cleveland. I don't believe in Mitchell Trubisky, but I think the Browns have a more complete football team than the Steelers. I'm rolling with the Browns to beat the Steelers 17-10. to 10. I don't think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think the Browns get it done in a marquee AFC North matchup. Browns 17, Steelers 10. Lions at Vikings. Vikings are favored by six points. It's a one o'clock start in Minneapolis on Sunday afternoon. The over-under for this game is 53 I have been impressed with the Vikings in their first two games. I know they got blew out by the Eagles, but like I said earlier, I still think the Vikings are contenders in the NFC. The Lions, I believe, the first two games of the season, they have impressed me. They really, really have. They score a lot of points. They don't play much defense, but they score a lot of points, and they can compete with anybody. But I think the Vikings will get back on track in this game. I think the Vikings take care of business. Sunday afternoon in Minnesota. I roll with the Vikings to beat the Lions. I'll go 27-24. I think it's going to be actually close in this game. I, I believe it's going to be a close game. But I think the Vikings will prevail over the Lions. Ravens are traveling to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. Ravens are favored by three points. It's a 1 o'clock start. Over-under for this game, 43 and a half. Coming into the season, I didn't have many expectations for the Patriots. I said that the Patriots are not a playoff team in the AFC. So I don't believe that they're going to be able to compete against one of the premier teams in the AFC in the Baltimore Ravens. I know the Baltimore Ravens did lose to the Miami Dolphins, but that offense played at an elite level. 
the Baltimore Ravens didn't lose against the Miami Dolphins because of their offense. They lost because of their defense. Defensively, they were horrible in the fourth quarter. I expect the Ravens to have a bounce-back performance, and I think they're going to take care of business against the Patriots. And I think the Ravens are going to blow out the Patriots. I'm rolling with the Ravens to beat the Patriots 31-14. Saints at Panthers. 1 o'clock start in Carolina. Saints are favored by three points in this game. The over-under for this game is 40. This game was interesting. This is actually going to be my upset pick of the week. I'm going to roll with the Panthers and Baker Mayfield to beat Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints. I'll go Baker Mayfield 21, Saints 20. That's my upset pick of the week. Let me go ahead and write this down so y'all know. Upset pick of the week, Panthers 21, Saints 20. I wasn't impressed with the Saints last week. I was impressed with them for defensively the way they battled against the Bucs. But in that fourth quarter, Winston was awful. He was awful. And I think Baker Mayfield, this is a must win for Baker Mayfield. Panthers 0-2 so far this season. They lost week one against the Cleveland Browns. They lost week two against the Giants. It's a must win for the Carolina Panthers. I roll in with Baker Mayfield over Jameis Winston 21-20. Texas at Bears. Bears are favored by three points. It's a one o'clock start in Chicago in the Windy City. The over-under for this game is 40. I wasn't impressed last week with the Bears either. They played at Lambeau against the Packers. That's a tough matchup for the Bears, especially considering the Packers were fresh off a loss against the Vikings in week one. Bears, they have to allow Justin Fields to make mistakes. Him only having 11 pass attempts in the game against the Packers is inexcusable. Matt Eitherfus, the quarterback, the, the, the coach for the Chicago Bears, you have to allow Justin Fields to make mistakes. Unleash Justin Fields. I think they're going to do it. I think the Bears are going to take care of business against the Houston Texans. I roll with the Bears to beat the Texans 24-17. Bears get the win in the Windy City. Chiefs at Colts in Indianapolis. The Chiefs are favored by six and a half points over the Colts. The over-under for this game is 50 and a half. This is a must win for the Colts. Similar to the Bengals and the Raiders and the Titans. If you in the AFC, you can't start the season off 0-3 and expect to make the playoffs. You can't. It cannot happen. I expect the Indianapolis Colts to play with a lot of energy in this game. I expect the Colts to play with a lot of intensity, and they are going to be desperate to win their first game this season. I'm actually going to roll with the Colts to beat the Chiefs Sunday afternoon in Indianapolis. I'm rolling with the Colts to beat the Chiefs. I'll go high scoring, 31-28. I think Matt Ryan will outlast Patrick Mahomes. And I think the Colts, because they are desperate, I think they're going to win this game and save their season. Had the Colts been one and one and one or two and zero, I probably would have picked the Chiefs. But because the Colts are desperate and they just got beat down last week by Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they can't fall to zero and three and expect to be a playoff team, I think head coach Frank Wright. And Matt Ryan outlasts Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I got Colts 31, Chiefs 28. 
Eagles at Commanders. One o'clock start in the nation's capital. I think the Philadelphia Eagles are a much more complete football team than the Commanders are. Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz is. So I'm rolling with Jalen Hurts, 27, Carson Wentz, 17. Bills at Dolphins, the AFC East matchup that has major, major playoff implications. I know it's only week three, but it's got major, major playoff implications in the AFC considering both of these teams are going to be there at the end of the season competing for a playoff spot. Bills are favored by six points in Miami. The over-under for this game is 52 and a half. This one tough because I believe it's going to be a great game. I believe that the, these teams are both playoff teams in the AFC. And I know I picked the Bills to win the AFC East, but the way the Miami Dolphins are playing right now, I can see the Miami Dolphins stealing a game from the Buffalo Bills, but it won't be this week. I'm rolling with Allen and the Buffalo Bills to beat the Miami Dolphins. I think this game also will be high scoring. I'm rolling with the Bills to beat the Dolphins 34-27. Josh Allen is playing at an elite level right now, and I believe that it's going to be tough for that Dolphins defense to contain Josh Allen. I mean, so far on the season, Josh Allen, he's 52 of 69, 614 passing yards, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. Now, two, on the other hand, also is having a great season so far. Seven touchdowns, two interceptions, 739 passing yards. I think this game will be competitive. Despite the Dolphins losing this game, I still believe the Dolphins are true contenders, not only in the AFC East, but in the AFC overall. But I think Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are playing at such an elite level right now, I think it's going to be difficult for the Dolphins to beat the Bills despite being the home team. I think the Bills take care of business, and I think right now the Bills are not only the best team in the AFC, they are the best team in the NFL. The first quarter of the season, so far, the Buffalo Bills have been the best team in the NFL. Bills 34, Dolphins 27. Raiders are traveling to Tennessee to take on Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. One o'clock start in Tennessee. Raiders are favored by two and a half points. Both teams are 0-2. The over-under for this game is 45 and a half. I believe that the Raiders are a more complete football team than the Titans are. I believe Derek Carr is better than Ryan Tannehill is. And Devontae Adams is better than than any of the receivers currently on the Titans. I think the Raiders get their first win of the season in a must-win game because whichever team loses this game, they can cancel their postseason hopes. It's not going to happen. You're not going to make the playoffs at 0-3. I think the Raiders take care of business and save their season. I'm rolling with the Raiders to beat the Titans. I'll go 27-23. Jaguars at Chargers. Chargers are favored by seven points. It's a 4-0-5 start. In L.A., the over-under for this game is 47 and a half. So far this season, I honestly have been impressed with Trevor Lawrence. I really, really have. I like the way Trevor Lawrence has played so far in his sophomore season. So far this season, Trevor Lawrence, he's 49 of 72, 510 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception. But this week, he's going up against an elite quarterback in Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has been dealing with a rib injury. I expect Justin Herbert to play. I expect the Chargers to get back on the right track and take care of business at home. 
I got Chargers, 31, Jaguars, 17. Jaguars were impressive last week in their win over the Colts. It's going to be this is a, tall, this is a tall task for the Jaguars traveling to the West Coast to take on Herbert and the Chargers. I got Chargers, 31, Jags, 17. Falcons at Seahawks, a 425 p.m. start in Seattle. The Seahawks are favorite by two and a half points in this game. The over-under in this game is 42. This game is irrelevant to me. One of the games that I'm probably not even going to pay attention to, really. But I got to pick a winner. I'm rolling with the Falcons to beat the Seahawks. I'll go Falcons 17, Seahawks 13. Rams at Cardinals. It's an NFC West battle in the desert. 425 start in Arizona. Rams are favored by three and a half points. The over-under for this game is 48 and a half. I was impressed with the Arizona Cardinals last week in their victory over the Las Vegas Raiders. They were down at the half. I believe it was 20 to zero. And they outscored the Raiders, I think, 21 to zero in the second half. So I was impressed with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. But I think the Rams are going to be too much for the Cardinals. I'm rolling with the Rams to beat the Cardinals in Arizona. I'll go Rams 21 Cardinals 14. The Sunday night football matchup on NBC. 49ers at Broncos. 8.20 p.m. start. 49ers favored by one and a half. Over under for this game. 44 and a half. Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starting quarterback for the 49ers. Sadly, Trey Lance is out for the season with a broken ankle. This is an interesting game here. It really, really is. Anytime the 49ers are going up against another team, I'm always going against the 49ers. Because as a Packers fan, I hate the 49ers, literally, because they are the reason why Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a second Super Bowl appearance on his resume. So I'm always rude against the 49ers. But it's undeniable that they are a great football team. And I think they're going to take care of business on Sunday night in Denver. I'm rolling with the 49ers to beat the Broncos in Denver. I'll go 49ers 23, Broncos 20. So I think the 49ers want to beat the Broncos by a field goal, last second field goal. Broncos fall to one and two. 49ers improve to two and one. Cowboys at Giants. It's the Monday night matchup on ESPN. Giants are favored by one and a half. It's 8.15 p.m. start. Over under for this game is 39 and a half. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will be on the call. I'm rolling with the Giants to beat the Cowboys in the Meadowlands. I'm rolling with the Giants to win this game. I'll go Giants 20, Cowboys 17. Despite the Cowboys beating the Bengals, I still don't believe the Cowboys are a team that's a contender in the NFC, especially without Dak Prescott. They already had struggles before Dak Prescott's injury in week one against the Buccaneers' elite defense. But I think the Giants, shockingly, are going to improve to 3-0 on the season. Yes. So I got Daniel Jones, 20. Cooper Russ, 17. Those are my NFL Week 3 Wise Picks for the week. Everybody, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Enjoy NFL Week 3. Bengals, Jets, Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. Raiders, Titans, some big-time matchups in the NFL this week. Excited for NFL Week 3. Excited for college football on Saturday. Going to be some great matchups as well in college football. But it's now time for me to turn it over to the Sports Loudmouths. My man Speedy, my man Earl on that show. Turn it over to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm Trey Larkin signing off. Enjoy your weekend.
You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.